and welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. It is good to be along with you this uh, 12th day of September as I record this. There's a lot of stuff to cover here. A little bit under the weather, so I apologize. We're going we're gonna to plow through this thing. I know there's so much to get to every show. I mean, Nancy Pelosi running at 83 years old. She said that if Trump got defeated, she would be done. Well, he got defeated, allegedly. And here she is, going to run for another two-year term. 83 years old. She said recently, when asked about Biden's age, she goes, I don't know what the big deal is. I'm older than he is. And she is. She's older than most people. But she's running again. And, uh, I mean, Steny Hoyer, he's 82. Uh, Bernie Sanders is in his 80s. And uh, Feinstein out there in California, she's like 120. She just won't stop. She doesn't even know where she is. The poor thing. She can't talk anymore. She doesn't. She really doesn't understand what's happening. But there she sits. I mean, what's possessing these people? They're possessed, all right. They're possessed by the same demonic forces, many of them, as what happened on 9-11. And that's not really a smooth transition, but I want to start with 9-11 because... Uh, I mean, how can you not? 22 years ago uh, this year, we were attacked, and uh, it's like nothing I I hope I'll ever have to experience again, waking up to that, those planes flying into those buildings, into the World Trade Center. The first one hit the North Tower at 8.46 a.m., and it was such a beautiful morning, too. I remember that. I was up earlier, and it was just clear and crisp, a beautiful late summer day, not a cloud in the sky. And then this happens. You turn on the TV and you witnessed what was happening to us in real time. It was unbelievable. I think a lot of young people don't realize what happened to us on that day and how it's affected us. My daughter, one of my daughters is a senior in high school and she said kids younger than her were asking her about it. You know, what's the big deal? We need to tell our young people, especially educators in our public schools. You know, private schools are telling their kids, homeschoolers certainly, The public schools need to do a better job of bringing our kids up to snuff on some of the important events uh, in history. And 9-11 was perhaps the most important, one of the most, certainly in my lifetime. Now, the only time I think young people hear any reference to 9-11 is in relation to January 6th. These left-wing lunatics on television and in the media and certainly in, in, in academia are trying to liken January 6th, 2021 to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor and all this other stuff. Not even close. It's There's no comparison. 3,000 people, nearly 3,000 people dead in a matter of a couple of hours. That day will forever live in infamy. And it's on par, I think, with the attack on Pearl Harbor, the British attack on our country in 1814, in which the U.S. Capitol was burned to the ground. But demagogues have tried to link, again, January 6th to 9-11. No comparison. It dishonors the memory of the 3,000 Americans who perished on that day, in my view. And everybody knows someone who either was killed or was related to someone who lost their lives on that day. And, you know, in the years following that, President Bush... Uh, certainly President Obama, they couldn't say radical Islam attacked us. They were saying violent extremists. Remember Obama? He wouldn't say what needed to be said. We were attacked by Islam, maybe a radical element of it. We could spend a whole half an hour doing doing that, why we were attacked. But we need to establish who attacked us. Radical Islamists attacked us. Why did they do it? Well, any number of reasons. I can't go into it. 
You know, Pat Buchanan, a guy that uh, I admire a great deal, a, a famous uh, commentator, author, historian, a columnist. I, I read his columns and books faithfully. He maintained that we were attacked because we were over there. We are still over there. That's why they're over here, because we're over there. We're, we meddle in other countries' internal affairs. That's why he thinks we were attacked. I think it's something more than that. Spain got attacked. Other countries were attacked by Islamists. They weren't, they're not in, involved in other countries' internal affairs the way we are. We have hundreds of bases around the world. Hundreds. We have bases in Germany. Tens of thousands of U.S. troops in Germany. Why? They were there as a tripwire during the Cold War. But the Soviet Union has disbanded. It did so in 1991. So why are we still in Germany? Why do we still fund NATO? I don't want to get, I, I can't believe I'm even talking about this. I don't want to go down that road because I could go on for an hour or two on that. But anyway, we were attacked and it, it was a demonic attack. It was nothing but nothing short of uh, the devil himself on that day. These people are were the ones who attacked us. Fortunately, they they were killed in the attack and a lot of people said how brave they were. I mean, I guess it, it did take some kind of nerve to fly two airplanes, uh, jet-fueled airplanes into the sides of buildings, but it, you could look at it another way. It's a cowardly act. You killed innocent people. For what purpose? Because you despise America, the great Satan? You don't like the way America operates? Our decadent lifestyle we have here, we are a sinful nation. All nations are sinful. But the radical Islamists say that America is uh, the focus of evil in the world. That's why they attacked us and killed 3,000 innocent people. Anyway, young people need to know what happened on that day. Uh, I'm going to skip around here a little bit. And speaking of 9-11, uh, President, I almost said Bush, President uh, Biden was not at the site of the, of the uh, two main attacks we were hit in Manhattan, Lower Manhattan, of course, Ground Zero. Those two buildings came down. The Pentagon was hit. The field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where Flight 93 met its tragic and heroic end. Passengers launched a, the first counterattack against these scumbags, against those responsible for 9-11. Remember the, the famous, you know, the, the battle cry, let's roll? And those passengers on that uh, flight in Pennsylvania, they took matters into their own hands and they... Uh, they no doubt prevented a lot of a lot of other people from losing their lives as well. But Biden skipped out on the official events. He wasn't there for whatever reason. I know the reason he gave. So he sent Vice President Harris to attend the ceremony at Ground Zero. I mean, this guy is, he's shameless. Even the Republican, uh, one of the Republican presidential candidates, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he spent Monday morning at the World Trade Center to mourn the loss and to observe the, the occasion. He and the First Lady of Florida, his wife, name is uh, Casey DeSantis. They they read the names. It was a, it was a, it was a beautiful ceremony. But the day and the venue holds a, a particular significance. He's the only candidate to serve in the armed forces, and he's frequently mentioned how the events of nine eleven changed his thinking on serving in the military. And they said it was a pivotal uh, moment. For his future. It changed his life, in other words. It changed a lot of people's lives. And I think a lot of people in this country have forgotten that we were attacked and by whom we were attacked, and we can never let that happen. 
All right, let's talk, talk about some politics. Well, actually, it's happening already. As this program airs, it is Wednesday, the 13th, and there's a new registration tax that goes into effect. And I'm having trouble with my computer. It's skipping all over the place. And it mandates that you have to submit to a state of New York background check every time you buy ammunition. So if you go into a Dick's Sporting Goods, I don't know why you'd go into there, but I say you go into Walmart, you want to buy a, a, a box of 50, a, a box of 50, 22 long rifle shells. You're going to pay a tax of almost 50%. And it's an attack on gun owners. It's, I, I think, I'm not a constitutional uh, authority, but I think it's blatantly unconstitutional. And there's nothing, it angers me more than some of these attacks on Second Amendment rights by these liberal Democratic governors. Mommy Dearest here in in, uh, New York, Kathy Hochul. And by the way, by the week's end, the New York State Firearms Association will have filed a lawsuit against Hochul in federal court. We'll see how that goes. I'm not holding my breath. But these anti-gun people are all over the country, and they sit in positions of authority, governor uh, governorships, they're in uh, the House of Representatives. This uh, governor, again, a liberal Democratic governor, her name is uh, Michelle Grisham. She banned open and concealed carry for 30 days. And she used public health orders to enforce the ordinance. Why is she doing this? Well, she's concerned about the shootings in that state, and everybody is. An 11-year-old boy outside a minor league baseball stadium this week was shot in New Mexico. There's all kinds of violent crime happening. But the Democrats and the legislatures around the country, they, they want to turn these criminals loose to repeat their crimes. So the firearms suspension is tied to a threshold for violent crime rates that I guess only the Albuquerque area currently meets. What about the police in Albuquerque? They're exempt from the temporary ban on carrying firearms. I guess also uh, security guards are exempt. So cops get to carry guns, security guards get to carry firearms, but not licensed gun owners. And why do you need a license to own a gun? Well, you do need a license to own a handgun, not to own a, a long rifle, not yet, not ever, as far as I'm concerned. She says she welcomes the debate. Well, you're going to get a debate. You're going to get legal. This is unbelievable what we put up with here in New York and, of course, New Mexico and some of these blue states are so blue they're red. You cold warriors will get that joke. But it's it's uh, all, the the attack on our on our not just the Second Amendment but all our our, our our freedoms. Here's a woman. I'll tell you another. And this is another a poor transition, but I apologize. There's a woman who addressed the Suffolk School Board during a public comment period back in August, and she requested to use her time at the mic to offer a prayer for the Suffolk County Public Schools and all those present at the meeting. The board chairman Tyrone Riddick interjected, gave her a polite reminder that such an action was not permissible. Says who? Why can't we? She asked Riddick. I'd like to pray for our students in our school. Riddick replied that prayer wasn't what she signed up to do and asked her, how does he know what she signed up to do? And asked her to get back on, on topic. That is my topic, she said. Well, then it's not permitted at this time, was Riddick's response. To pray for our schools is not permitted? They went back and forth. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I forget where I got this. Probably uh, Town Hall Magazine. But, I mean, so she invited those in attendance to pray outside the building after the board meeting. And she said, correctly, in my view, the only way that we're going to come together is through God and our faith. And what she said is absolutely correct. Where she said it is the problem. And a lot of people think that 
we don't have a right to prey on on a public property, which is which is absolutely false. So she also asked God to place those working for children, this, you know, school administrators, teachers, in the district for any other reason under conviction. And then they went back and forth. But there's this big debate whether or not you can pray in a public uh, venue. And I, I, I maintain, from what I listened to on uh, Jay Sekulow's program, the American Center for Law and Justice, he, he defends all kinds of uh, these kinds of cases. He defends people such as this woman in, in Suffolk County. You can pray. The First Amendment does not deny uh, the banning of prayer in the public sphere. It's absolutely misunderstood. But again, I can't go into it because I'm not a First Amendment attorney. But I mean, you could read it. Uh, it's out there. Uh, let's see. Sports. Do I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets? I mean, the Jets won Monday night. They beat the uh, Buffalo Bills 22-16 in overtime. Josh Allen had four turnovers. So he played uh, less than... Uh, spectacular game, and he admitted it after the game that he uh, had too many turnovers. And Aaron Rodgers, I, I love Aaron Rodgers, former Packer, great. Uh, four downs. He played four downs, and he, when somebody sacked him, he, he twisted funny, and he, he blew out his Achilles tendon. He's out for the year. First series of downs. He's being paid all this money, and he's out for the season. He's going to be 40 years old, and in December, and there's all this speculation about whether or not he's going to come back. I think he will uh, come back. And I think his main function, I think, in New York for the Jets is to get this young quarterback, I can't think of his name, to get him ready for prime time. He's a good young quarterback, and I think he was going to work under Rodgers for a couple of years. And then, you know, when Rodgers retired, to take over the helmet. He got pushed into service last night, and the Jets won. I mean, the Jets have a good team, good defense. An excellent defense. They had a good defense last year. They finished last year very strongly. And they're off to a good start this year, beating an elite team, the Buffalo Bills. And the Packers, speaking, uh, I don't think they're an elite team, but uh, Jordan Love in his first start for Green Bay threw three touchdown passes. They crushed the Bears, which is what they've been doing. Nine straight victories for the Packers over the Bears, 38-20. So uh, it's going to be an exciting season for Packers fans and for Jets fans, too even though Rodgers is, is done for the season. I want to make mention of this. This is sad. I, I, I see a lot of these old uh, pop singers and rockers uh, falling lately. They're all in their mid to late 70s. Elton John is the latest. He uh, suffered minor injuries. He went down, not in a, in a performance. I guess he fell at his home in southern France, one of his homes. And he was taken to the hospital, I guess uh, the orthopedic department in Monaco. He was evaluated and was released. This happened a couple of weeks back. According to the BBC, John slipped, fell, and was admitted to a local hospital as a precautionary measure. He's 76. He's fine. Uh, but he went down. You know, I, I'm going to side get sidetracked here and uh, digress a little bit. One of the best concerts I ever saw in my life was an Elton John concert back in, I think, the summer of 86. You know, I was always a marginal uh, Elton John fan. I liked his first song, uh, Your Song was the name of that, 1971, I believe. And, you know, Rocket Man and uh, Candle in the Wind, his uh, trip to um, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, those are great songs. One of my favorite Elton John songs, as if you care, was uh, it barely cracked the top 40. It was not a very big hit. It was in the, I think, early 80s, maybe 82, 83. It was called Chloe. It was just a. It was one of the prettiest songs that he's has ever done. But anyway, Elton John, uh, I, I could never stand Crocodile Rock and, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, 
Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and all that, you know, Philadelphia Freedom. I couldn't stand any of those. So I was a marginal fan, but I saw him in 86 at SPAC. And the reason I went, uh, I went to see Quarterflash, who had a couple of big hit records. And Rindy Ross was the uh, the lead singer, and she blew a mean uh, saxophone. I went to see Quarterflash. I didn't, you know, Elton John, I kind of liked him, but I wasn't a huge fan. But when he came on and he started playing and started doing his, uh, doing his thing, I 15 minutes into the into his set, I forgot who opened up. I couldn't think of who opened for the life of me. Then I remember it was it was quarter flash, but that's how good Elton John was in 86. I mean, he sounds like you know, he sounds like Mom's Mabley these days. I mean, his voice is gone. Like a lot of guys, James Taylor's voice is gone. He's 75. Voice is shot. You know, touring you tour for 50, 55 years. It's bound to happen. James Taylor hasn't gone down, by the way. And uh, neither has Jackson Brown. At least I don't think Jackson Brown's gone down. He's, he, had, he had COVID, I think, once or twice. But but I mentioned Elton John uh, slipping in his home. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, who's also in his 70s, was uh, doing a show recently. And he went down like a ton of bricks, playing the guitar, going up a, two or three steps. And he went down. You know, his bandmates helped him up. And it's kind of sad to watch. I mean, it's the boss, you know, New Jersey and... He was a big rocker back in the 70s and early 80s. And now watching these guys in their 70s just go down, it's it's heartbreaking. Who else? Uh, Keith Richards went down in a show. He was playing the guitar, not you know paying attention, and boom, down looking up. I mean, he got up pretty quickly. But that's all. I mean, that's how I, I guess I'm going to end the show on that kind of a note. It's kind of sad, but I guess no, nobody gets out of this world alive, right? We all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, as the old saying goes. But it's sad to watch these guys age and uh, age out and uh, lose some of their skills and their their motor skills. And uh, but it happens to all of us. I mean, you know, that's just the way it goes. You know, life is two immutable facts of life. Someone once wrote, "Men will lose their strength, and women their beauty." Now, some women don't lose their beauty, and that varies from person to person. But female listeners won't like that. But anyway, but we're not made for this earth. This this is not our home. This is not our home. We shouldn't get too comfortable here. Heaven is where we belong. And uh, that's the way to end the show. That's how I'm going to end it. Thank you very much, folks, for for tuning us in. If you liked the program, hopefully you did, hit like. Even if you didn't like it, hit like. Hit subscribe because we need subscribers. And make sure you share with your friends on social media. It's the Pac-Man Podcast with me, Ted Flint. We do this each Wednesday and sometimes on the weekends. Check out all the fine programming we have for you on the BMG Network. You can access it by hitting the bmgnetwork.com and check out the columns, the fine podcasters we have up there for you. And if you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.